Restoration Church, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, and relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by lead pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's message. But it is a great honor to be here today, and I just want to say thank you so very much. Um, today, I want to, for us to go to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, in the shadow of Dad, in the shadow of our Father. And just to talk a little bit about fathers and what it means to be a father and how to be a, a better father. In Proverbs chapter 1, I want to read the first eight verses and then we will continue on in the shadow of death. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple, to the wise, to the young men, knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb in the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instructions of thy father. And forsake not the law of thy mother, Heavenly I mean, Father, we do want to thank you for our fathers and thank you for allowing us, who are fathers, to be fathers. It is a great privilege and a great responsibility. And it comes with a lot of rewards. Sometimes there's heartache. Uh, but in the end, we are just so thankful for making us fathers and giving us fathers. And we just pray that you will help give me words of wisdom today. And Lord, just speak to our hearts, help us to understand more clearly and fully your word for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, how to be a dad, uh, we learn from our own fathers. Uh, the problem that we have in being a good father is because of our fathers. Uh, they are the, the pattern of, of life for us. And we follow them and we learn from them, even though it's not verbalized, it's not instructions that are given out for us to read. As little ones, we look to our fathers, we look to our mothers, we learn from them. And uh, the problem that we have as people is we come from a long line of dysfunctional families. Uh, we were back on furlough one time and we were at the church there in Georgia and, and the pastor asked if I would speak to the young Mary's couples and I... It was a spur of the moment, it was spontaneous, they didn't have anything prepared, and I just said, listen folks, you're all dysfunctional, and none of you are compatible with each other, and it, it shocks them, they say, well, what do you mean we're not compatible? When you listen to people who get divorced, you ask, why are you getting divorced, and well, we're not compatible? Well, it's obvious, nobody's compatible. You're not going to find a compatible person. And, and so you, you learn, and as you watch your parents, you see they stuck it out, and they're together, and you see that's the pattern. 
And when they divorce, it, it, it is a tragedy. And, and I know, I understand there's broken families and we're, we come from a line of dysfunctional families. And the biggest source of these problems in families is because of the father. And the list of failures is long. When we go back to the first father, Adam, we see that he was confronted with a, a challenge and he failed and that failure was passed on to all his children. The examples of good fathers are few. We see in scripture bits and pieces of a good father. And I think the, the, the greatest example that we have, and it was mentioned in one of the songs, and I want to say thank you, the music spoke to my heart, every song, and it was a tremendous blessing. The prodigal's father, to me, is a, a pattern, an example of what a good father is. And uh, we are broken people trying to be perfect in a fallen world. And as we look at this passage, we see, he says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. <clears throat> the father is important for giving this instruction to help guide and direct. And we see, forsake not the law of thy mother. It's a, it's a team. It takes both of them. And we cannot be fathers without the mothers, and so we're thankful for our moms. And as we look at a day that's set aside to honor fathers, we never forget that mothers tend to be honored greater than fathers. For obvious reasons, mothers give us life, and we are thankful for that. But without the fathers, there would be no life to give. We get glimpses of what a father should be through Scripture. We see in Ephesians chapter 5 that a, that a father is a husband, and as a husband he is to love his wife, as Christ loved the church, who was willing to give himself for it. There's a commitment that is, is there. And so as we look at a father, we see a father who is committed to his, to his wife, to, committed to the mother of their children. Husbands love your wives. Love them as Christ loves the church. And then in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, it's very interesting. It says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we start seeing a glimpse of what it is to be a good dad, a good father. It's a loving husband, one that's willing to sacrifice for the family, to lay down his life as Christ laid down his life for the church. And then it says to bring up the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Lord is preeminent in this upbringing. So then what are the goals of a father? The goals of a father. We have a team, as I said, a team to show God to our children. And a father and a mother. We are dysfunctional people. We are trying to do the best that we can. Yeah. And we understand that God said that he made man in his own image. And he created a male and female. And when we 
come together, we have a husband and wife, and we have children, it is an attempt for us as parents to show God to them. Yeah. And they yeah. should see it in us. Yeah. And when any, any one of those team members is missing, then we have a distorted view of God. Yeah. If we have a family where the father is abusive, then we have a distorted representation of God. When we have a passive, non-evolved father, then we have a distorted image of God. When the mother's not there, we have a distorted image of God. We don't fully understand at times how important it is for the family to have a mother and a father raising the children. And as we are dysfunctional people, we are fallen creatures trying to, to operate in a fallen world. And that hopefully at times that those high points come together that are in sync. And the children will get a glimpse of the nature of God. And in that nature of God, they see in us God working. So the goal that we have as fathers is to, to model in us God and in our relationship God. And then another goal is that we are to prepare our children to be well-adjusted adults and to function as responsible individuals in a complex society. We, we rear our children to one day be out on their own. Yeah. And so as we are trying to prepare them, we are grooming them, instructing them to be able to go out and to make decisions on their own. And then the third thing is to know God, to know Him personally. In 1 John, the apostle writes and he, and he tells the church what the message of God is. And the message of God is that in Him is light, and in Him is no darkness. And that we are to have fellowship with God. If we have fellowship with God, we have fellowship one with another. And I find it very fascinating that in chapter 4, John says nobody has seen God at any time. None of us have. And yet we are trying to tell our children and teach our children about God. As, well, if you've never seen God, how am I going to see God? And this is where knowing God yourself is so important. I know God, and the Bible says that when I know God, God gives me the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. And I am to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I am to be indwelled by Him and filled by Him. I'm to be led by Him. Yeah. And if I do that, and understanding that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, yeah. that through that yielding to the Spirit and that living to Him, that the children can get a glimpse of God in us. So my job and my responsibility as a father and as a husband is for us to model God before them so they can see in our relationship the full aspect of who God is. And then to see God in us manifesting in and through us. So... What is a father? What is he to do? A father helps set the boundaries of proper behavior. Amen. It is the father that sets the, the tone in the family. 
The mother comes in and gives that life. But the father gives the instructions and the mother gives those, those rules as it says in Proverbs. That, and, 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 and together we're setting up these boundaries to give the children an opportunity to be successful in life. We establish one's proper orientation. What is it going to be like once you go out on your own? The proper orientation. The father has to know a very delicate balance between justice and mercy. And the children need to see that there is justice. That there is penalties for doing wrong. And, it, and it's amazing to me to, to watch now how, how society is going. They don't want any repercussions for doing wrong. Everything's okay. Equal outcome. On and on it goes. But the Bible says a soul that sins shall surely die. Yeah. There is a penalty for sin. We need to know justice. We also need to know mercy. The one thing that I think is a challenge for every parent is to come to grips with the fact that our children can do wrong <laughs> and probably will do wrong. Yeah. But if we're modeling God before them, then we also are able to model that mercy. Right. And I've told our children, no matter what you do, if you do wrong, we'll always love you. Yeah. It doesn't mean we'll approve of what you've done. Yeah. And you'll bear the consequences of what you've done, but we'll always love you. Yeah. We need to balance punishment versus reward. Wisdom versus foolishness. Father also helps aim his children in the proper direction. Yeah. Fathers have a tremendous responsibility. I, my dad had a difficult time connecting with people. And I saw that as a great fault or weakness and we always determine, I'm not going to be like my dad, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But we, we learn from our parents and we learn uh, by observation and, and it's just, we were cut from the same DNA and I find times I will think something or do something and act a certain way and say, boy, that was my dad. <laughs> and he passed away in 2005 and I do miss him. And I learned a lot from him. I didn't realize I was learning so much. Yeah. Uh, just around the house and everything that was done, my dad never wanted to give work off to someone else to do if he could not do it himself. Yeah. We laid pipe, we dug ditches, we, we built things, we took things down, uh, learned about fixing cars. Yeah. And as an adult, and, and Doing certain projects, I've had people ask me, well, where did you learn to do that? And I had, my dad, did your yeah. dad teach you that? He yeah. said, no, my dad never did anything like that. So I'm very thankful for what I, what I learned from my dad. So how do we, how do we teach our children? We see that what we're supposed to do, be preparing them. But how do we go about doing that? Yeah. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 1, or 11, I'm sorry, verse 1, Hebrews. 
chapter 11. This is, to me, the greatest responsibility that we have as parents, is to teach our children who God is. And as Pastor Rex and I were talking first thing this morning, and there are churches all over here. Georgia, there's churches on every corner. We went to school in Jacksonville, Florida, there's churches on every corner. No matter where you go, you can turn the TV on and watch a church service. You can go on the internet, internet and listen to a church service or watch a church service. But are we really, truly following Christ? Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's always been a prayer of ours that our children will grow up and walk with the Lord. And I am very thankful that you have a pastor who grew up in a pastor's home mm -hmm. and is pastoring himself. When we were raising our support to go to, to Germany, there were a few trips that I had to take by myself Brianna was a difficult child, and uh, sometimes Ramona had to stay home, and if it wasn't uh, Brianna, it was Drew. You know, they get sick, ear infections, throat, uh, sore throats, and whatnot. So I was at a, at a church, had a meeting, and, and I stayed in the home of, of a young man. He was uh, not married, single, in the church. <coughs> he was telling me a story that he grew up in a pastor's home, had think it was four or five siblings, so a big family, and uh, he said to me that out of all his siblings, he was the only one that was still in church. Wow. And he said, we did everything right. We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, visitation, everything. And so I asked him this question. I said, was there any time growing up that your family saw God work? Was there a time that you had a special need that your family was facing and you got down and you prayed and you saw God answer that? He took a moment, thought, he said, no, can't think of any time. Yeah. It is one thing to talk about God, it's another thing to experience God. Yeah, yeah. right. And if we experience God, then we can share that with our children, and our children can see that God is real. Yeah. And in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse 1 of chapter 11, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift, by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he 
is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Everybody has a belief. Whether you want to say you're a Christian or not, you have a belief. There is a foundational presupposition that everybody has and they base every decision that they make on that foundation. My dad was brought up McComb, Mississippi, in the Southern Baptist home, made a profession of faith. But he joined the Navy, got out of the Navy, went off to college, went to the university, was working on a PhD. He met my mom. They got married. They had a, a first child was on the way, and so they he never finished his doctorate. But he went off to uh, California to work. And that's one thing I really appreciate about my dad. He was a hard worker. Yeah. Provided for the family, took care of the family. Mm. But he turned his back on God. Mm. He wasn't able to take what he was learning in the university and properly analyze it and make it fit what he was brought up to believe. Mm. He had a conflict. He had a clash of worldviews. His foundation was not secure. And many times as believers, we say we believe in God, mm-hmm. but we act like we don't believe in God. Yeah. It's, it's almost like we're secular Christians. Right. And when we say we believe in God, that should be the foundation of what we believe and we build everything on that. Yeah. When you build a house, you lay down a foundation, you want that foundation to be secure, and then you build on it. There is countless illustrations that Jesus gives us of having a firm foundation. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, now if you heard my words and you do them, I will liken you unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And when the rains come and the floods come, the house will remain. But if you hear my words and don't do them, you're likened unto a fool who built his house on the sand. The rains and the floods came and the house was taken away. Now, he's not talking to contractors and he's not telling them how to build a house. He's talking about our lives. We need to have a foundation of what we believe and it has to be the rock. It has to be Jesus Christ. And here's the thing that he says here in in verse 6. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. The foundational belief is that God is. Now, as believers, and we head off to college or we're in a secular setting and people say, why do you believe in God? Can you prove God exists? I don't have to. I don't have to believe I don't have to prove to them that God exists. I believe yeah. in the beginning, God. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I take that as a presupposition. I believe it. Now, when I was in high in high school, I had geometry. I loved geometry. My children not so much. But for me, geometry was was beautiful because it gave me a proof. It gave me an axiom that said, "Here's a truth." Yeah. You don't have to prove it. It's already been proved. 
Now, you solve the, the problem using these proofs. Yeah. So I take the fact that God is yeah. foundation. Then I start building on it. Right. I take life experience I build on it. I take the Word of God and I build on it. It's a proper foundation. And if I have a proper foundation, then I'm able to pass that on to my children. Yeah. And as I watched my dad, I began to see what he really believed. Mm. He wasn't an atheist. He tried to be an atheist. <laughs> It, it was ironic that when he passed, we went to a memorial service at my mom's church. And so many people came up and said, he's the best Christian I knew. I said, really? We're talking about my dad, right? <laughs> what failed for my dad was having a proper worldview. We have a foundation. It's Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. It is God is. Period. I build upon that a worldview. And this worldview helps me to evaluate the world around me. Yeah. So I see something. I pull it in. I analyze it based upon my structure that I have built upon the foundation. Yeah. If it fits and it doesn't contradict anything that I believe, then I can use it. Mm. But anytime I find a contradiction, I get rid of it. The problem is so many people don't have that foundation. They have Jesus Christ, but he's on a shelf. I make reference to Jesus. I make reference to God. I make reference to the word of God. But if something comes in, then oh, I kind of like that. Mm. Then we start using that as building material. Then God gets shut out. Mm-hmm. You go into a secular situation, you get a secular college or a university, and they start telling you things, and you start redoing your foundation. Mm-hmm. You're on sand. Wow. I, we, uh, a co worker of mine, <coughs> Jack Hardy, pastored years in Texas, and he was a missionary in Wales, and they came down to work with us. He and I went to go visit a, a German. His wife was in the church, and but Klaus was not saved. Went down to go visit with him, and, and uh, he said, "Well, I was I was confirmed when I was thirteen in the Lutheran church, and, and I, you know, all that's fine. I don't have anything against God or anything like that." And he said, "But the, there's two things that bother me. One is that scientists say the Earth." universe has been here millions of years, billions of years, and the earth has existed for billions of years, and we had life billions of years ago, and we're processing evolution. And I said, Klaus, that is a side issue. First thing that you have to fully understand is that Jesus is the Son of God, and he died on the cross to pay for your sins. That's what you need to believe. After that, we can deal with that. We can talk about that all you want. And it's interesting that no matter what, as long as my foundation is God and God is, mm-hmm. and I build a structure around it for my worldview, it doesn't matter to me. You want to believe it's thousands and millions of years ago? You go back to the beginning, it has to be God. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. I said, yeah. you, can, you can 
play around with it all you want. Yeah. But the more you analyze, the more you look at it, the narrower and narrower it becomes, and you're back to, ah, it hasn't been that long ago. Yeah. But if you want to go thousands and billions of years, that's, that's your business. Hmm. He said, well, the second thing is, there's so many different denominations. I said, once again, that's a side issue. Yes. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died on the cross for your sins? Yeah. Yeah. After that decision has been made, then you can talk about all the denominations yeah. you want. Yeah. But it boils down to do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah. yeah. I don't care about denominations. Right. right. I care about the family of God. Right. Yeah. And as long as we have the same Lord and Savior, I don't care what denomination you are. Yeah. I don't care if you want to go out and handle rattlesnakes. It's your business. But I believe in Jesus and he's, he is my rock. Yeah. Proper worldview. Third thing, enduring faith. Yeah. I've set the foundation. It's God. I build on that using the word of God. And I build my worldview. Now I'm going to live it. Enduring faith. Stand with your convictions till the end, even if it means suffering. Yeah. One of the quotes that people love about the Apostle Paul that he says in Philippians is to know the power of his resurrection. Yeah. We want to stop right there. Mm-hmm. But then he says in the fellowship of his suffering. Yeah. That part we don't like. Mm. But the suffering is the test of our faith. Right. Right. Yeah. And, as, and as we endure the suffering, and here's the, the beauty of the suffering, not that I'm asking for suffering, <laughs> but the beauty of it is, it's God testing us. Yeah. There's Two paths you can take when you suffer. Mm. You can take the path of that the world's against me. Mm. I have no hope. Nothing to live for. Mm. You spiral down into a nihilistic existence. If I can't have it, then nobody will. Mm. If I can't be happy, why should anyone else be happy? There is no hope. To find our identity in Christ means that I'm willing to suffer with him. The only perfect man who ever lived is Jesus Christ. Perfect man fulfilled the law. Mm -hmm. Was falsely accused, tried, and executed. Mm. And this is what he said. Father, forgive them. Mm. And then he said, it is finished. Mm. And he yielded up the spirit. What was the reaction of a Roman soldier at that time? Truly, this is the Son of God. Mm. When we suffer we suffer with hope. Yeah. And if people see the hope that we have in the midst of our suffering, they say what they have is real. Yeah. Yeah. 
But when someone suffers and says, I give up, and walks away, we said there was no reality there. Yeah. Endure, enduring faith. Mm. The last thing, have your identity in Christ. Mm. Not in a job, or not in another person. Yeah. You want to be a great scientist, a lawyer, teacher, it doesn't matter. If that's where you're finding your identity, and you lose that job, then what are you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if my identity is in Christ, right. I happen to be a teacher, I happen to be a lawyer, I happen yeah. to be, right. then it doesn't matter. I can lose my job, I can lose the ability to, to perform, to sing, to play an instrument, it doesn't matter. That's not my identity. Yeah. Yeah. My identity is that I am a child of God, yeah. and my identity is in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that it doesn't matter. I, I am in him. And, and the apostle John says, as long as we walk in the light as he is in the light, then there's no darkness in us. Right. The problem that we have as people is that we like to wander. Yeah. And sometimes we hit the light. When we hit the light, it's sweet. Yeah. Life is good. Yeah. But then comes suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And it knocks us back into the darkness. Yeah. Fathers, we have a responsibility to pass on to our children that our identity is in Christ. Yeah. That they can see that in us. And to say, yeah, Dad was pretty whacked. <laughs> but I know he loved the Lord. Yeah. And I just pray that as we see society drift further and further away from God, that we won't follow along just to find our identity in a political party mm. or in a movement, mm. but that we're willing to endure, to have a proper worldview, to have a foundation firmly set on God, and that our identity is in Christ. Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for mm. your many blessings. We thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, that you love us so much that you gave us your son. Who, though perfect, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we may know the fellowship of the Father. Lord, thank you for Christ dying on the cross for us, paying our sin, giving us new life, giving us hope, giving us a new identity. Help us to walk in newness of life. Help us to be an example for our children, to our community, and to those that live without hope. Mm -hmm. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning into this morning's message. If you were encouraged by this message and want to stay connected with the Restoration fam, check us out at restorationmacala.com. For more messages like this, you can find us on Spotify and Facebook.